Hello and welcome to the Believe Crew podcast. The business is you. I'm Jamie White, founder of Believe Crew and your host. Let's jump right in. Welcome to today's podcast. I have Mary Balistrieri here with us today, and she's a mindful business coach. I would love to hear how you got into this business and how you started it. Tell us all about your business. Thank you so much. So um, I started my business, MBT, More Business Today, and I call myself the Mindful Business Coach. It was the end of 2020, and I was in the situation where my job was eliminated which was okay. I had been focused on eventually starting my own business and I knew it would be a coaching business. So I had been a director of business development at a big uh, law firm. And then I morphed that job into a business development and leadership coach job. And so the, why did I start my business and why this focus comes from years and years in a number of different careers where I always kind of came to the same conclusion, which is that the number one thing that drives me is helping somebody succeed. Isn't that amazing? I totally get that. Yes, absolutely. And so many coaches, we are that way. That is our motivator. And no matter what job I was in, I would always come back to um, how can I help these people Mm-hmm. And how can I find ways to, you know, answer the questions that um, maybe they don't even know they should be thinking about? Right. Pose Ask those the questions. questions. Right. Right. So that they can help themselves. Basically, what it's all about. Because we learn, you can't help someone who is not ready to be helped. Right. And who does not want to help themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So we learn that pretty quickly. And. The focus I learned over and over again, the obstacles that would be in the way of people I would work with, whether it was trying to bring in a new client or serve a new client or be a leader. I worked Mm -hmm. with a number of people in the beginning who were emerging leaders. And what I found over and over again is that the biggest obstacles were really in everyone's own mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, and here's an example. Um, Somebody I'm coaching or was coaching uh, was having so many problems at, you know, like, let's say it's a networking event, good at meeting people, but not necessarily good at finding prospects. So I asked, Mm -hmm. what is it you're thinking about? Ooh, ooh. When you're standing in the room and you're looking at everyone and you know that you want to network to find more clients, right? And he said, well, to tell you the truth, if I'm going to tell you the truth, <laughs> right? I'm thinking those people aren't going to hire me. Right. right. Or I'm thinking those people can't afford to hire me. And he doesn't even know who those people are. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so I'm sure you've dealt with this too, or felt yeah. this. The more that I talk to people, the more I realize it's across the board. The biggest obstacles are the things we tell ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to dig into this a little bit with you because I feel like uh, maybe I'll end up getting hot seat coaching on this podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Because so I'm super extroverted. And if you don't mind going down this road a little bit. Yeah. Because this, this happens, right? When we're in business, like networking is a thing that maybe we don't have to do when we're 
in a job, but understanding who are our power partners, who are we connecting with, you know, what associations do we want to be involved in? How do we want to make a difference in our communities? You know, how do we want to show up as leaders? I mean, a lot of emerging leaders end up on nonprofit boards in their communities trying to make a difference and it helps develop them. It helps, helps develop their power partners. It helps us, you know, just kind of grow in, in ways we maybe didn't expect. But like, I'm a natural extrovert. So I walk into a room and I'm trying to think like, it's almost like I want you to ask me the question, like, what are you thinking? Um, and just kind of dig in a little bit. What are the different thoughts that you've heard people say? Because I don't even know what I'm thinking. Like, since I'm an extrovert, I'm just excited to be there. <laughs> and, you know, it's so interesting because um, a lot of introverts assume that people who are extroverts that it's easier for extroverts to bring right. in clients. And it's not right. true. No, it's not. You're totally right. Yeah. Because there's different strengths, right? So right. a strength for an extrovert would be, as you said, you walk into a room full of people and you're excited to meet them. Right, right. But you're excited to meet them all. I'm excited to meet them all. They're all right. potential new friends. Yeah. Exactly. And, so and not necessarily have, new clients. Not Yeah, some of yeah. them might be. Some could be referral sources right, and right. all of that's good. But, I, but I'm just saying that my mindset isn't how many new clients am I going to meet today? Right. My mindset is how many new friends am I going to meet today? So what you, you know, going back to what you said, um, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if I'm an extrovert or an introvert. What is my intention about it? What is it that I'd like to get out of the day? Hmm. Right. So when I work with, um, with people, I'm very goal oriented to the point where, if you're going to serve on a, a board, what is yeah. your goal for serving on that board? Right. For some people, it may be, I just believe in this one thing. That's right. good. That's okay. It doesn't always have to lead to new business, right? Mm. If you go to a networking event and your goal is, I want to make new friends, mm -hmm. that's fine. Mm -hmm. However, you need to articulate that for yourself before you go. Right. Because what I see with extroverts is, well, I went to all of these events and I don't have any business to show for it. Right. Right. So what is it that you're thinking, Jamie? Oh, man, I don't totally know. I'm, I'm definitely an extrovert at the level where I'm, I'm surprised by what I have to say sometimes. Right. So I don't remember what I'm going to say. I don't. <laughs> I know that I've been intentional this last 12 months about getting into new circles in new rooms to shift my thinking, to shift my circle mm -hmm. of influence. I wanted to be around people that, um, that believed in healthy leadership and organizations that believed in a shift in mindset thinking. I know that you're a part of NABO, National Association of Women Business Owners and yes. leading the Wisconsin group. And we've talked about me getting involved there and, you know, getting women in leadership and connecting with other women in leadership was important for me in this last year, just to really support myself in shifting my thinking. Because if I've been in a situation where that wasn't a thing, then I knew that if I got myself into circles where it was a thing, that I would automatically start. And I did. I found some <laughs> I found some walls and some thought processes that I didn't know were there. Um, but otherwise, okay, so if I'm going into... I think my thought is who can I connect with and how can I connect and how can I grow my circle? I really think that those are probably my primary. And as soon as I, like when I go to a polka dot event or something like that, I'm like, I want to meet these people. I've got like five slips they need to hand out. <laughs> I want to do one-on-one -on -one connections with everybody. I want to learn who you are. What are you doing? What is the, 
I, for me, I think I want to get to know people on a deeper level and really truly get, get below the rug or get, you know, um, maybe it's how can I help you? Like, do I know someone that I can connect you with? Because I do love connecting people. And so if I get to learn a little bit more about you, then who can I introduce you to? Do you want to be on a podcast? Do you want to sponsor <laughs> this? Do you want to do that? I don't know. Well, I'm thinking about all the things. Well, that's good. I mean, and so, so if you enter the, um, the networking event yeah, with that mindset, that's great. And then you come home mm-hmm. afterwards and maybe you have a bunch of business cards. Yeah. Then the question is, what do you do next? Oh, ouch. So if I do not follow up in the meeting or like within five minutes of the meeting, I have those piles of business cards sitting here that I haven't done anything with. And see, that's going back to what we said before. That's what I often see between the introverts or extroverts is that an extrovert will come in and make all these connections. And the excitement is from meeting the people where the creating business Mm -hmm. happens afterward. Right. Right. Whereas an introvert might be, you know, worried about, having to meet a bunch of people for them, their goal could be meet two people, right? Bring back two business cards and then do the next step because introverts generally are better at one-on-one conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Than at conversations in a big room of people. And these are just huge, you know, generalizations. Right. Right. For the people that I coach, it comes down to what else goes on with them. That's authentic for them. Mm-hmm. And finding their path to, um, you know, using their strengths to be who they are, wherever they are. So how did you get into this? Like, what made you decide that it was the mindset piece that you really wanted to be able to help people with? I mean, I know that it's made a huge difference in my life, so I can speak to it, but I'm curious for you. Sure. So the journey went from the journey. Yeah. Very coaching thing to say, right? Yeah. But it's true. The journey went from coaching people to develop business to seeing how everything is about relationships Mm. and then moving that into leadership coaching because so many of the obstacles were things that people needed to work on that also made them better leaders, you know, doing a better job of listening, keeping yourself organized, um, delegating, all kinds of things. All of those things were kind of in this lump. So I got my first coaching certification as a leadership and talent management coach. Hmm. And then as I continued forward, almost every conversation I would have with the people I was coaching was how to have specific conversations. Hmm. Like, I don't think so-and-so is hearing me, or I don't know how to reach out to this person I met at a networking event, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then literally role-playing with people on those conversations. So I took a course and this was the transformation. I took a course on, um, so I can't even think of the name of it, conversational. <laughs> I was being transformed. Yeah, yeah. I took a course on conversational intelligence. And the very first, well, not the very first thing, the very first thing they had us do was write down 100 aspirations for ourselves. Oh which was really hard. Right. I remember doing this with employees. Um, this is what I would do at usually towards the end of the year, or maybe towards Thanksgiving. 
because people are starting to feel that crunch financially and they're like, oh, the holidays are coming. I could use some extra cash. And so I would say write a hundred goals or up to a hundred goals for up to a hundred dollars, every dollar for every goal you write or aspiration, basically, like what are some things that would be amazing if they could be true? And most of the employees had never done anything like it. And they were like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> it's like I know, super it really fun. You, it yeah. shakes up your head. And yeah. then the next thing that they told us to do was spend a week listening more than you speak, mm. which is, you know, everyone should do that. Right. But then the next part of it was, and making no assumptions. Oof. And you found how many assumptions you'd been making? Yeah, everyone does every yeah. three seconds, right? Yeah. And so that's where the transformation and the focus on mindset happened. Hmm. Because as I went through that and did a better job listening to the people I was coaching, right? I started to hear so much of making assumptions about whether somebody is going to be interested in hiring it right. before you even talk to them. Right. Right. Or having a being in a meeting and someone says something and instead of asking another question to understand better what they're saying, you make an or I should say I make an assumption of what their meaning was. And it's not always true. And so Mm -hmm. that's where I realized the focus is mindset. So with clients, I'm discovering that even if we're starting on business development, let's say. Mm-hmm. And they've got their list of targets, and we're talking about how they're moving from one step to the next with all their targets. At some point in that coaching, mindset is going to emerge. Yeah. Yep. You know, as um, something that really needs to be paid attention to and delved into. Yeah. So you are shifting the conversations for your clients, the things that they're thinking about, and uh, along the way, as you're an entrepreneur, as you're an entrepreneur for yourself, and dealing with your own mindset things, what are some of the things that you've learned either to be aware of for yourself? What are some of the what are some of the crazy things that have come up that, as an entrepreneur, you totally get it now? Oh, for sure, right? Because I was working with people who were developing their own. Yes, yeah. of business. Just that, you know, that fear. Yeah. <laughs> like you wake up in the morning and you're running your own business and you need to jump out of bed and reach out to 10 people mm-hmm. who you already know. And then there's that fear at the back of your mind that says, oh, they don't want to hear from me. Right. They don't want to give me a referral. You know, they don't want to whatever. Assumptions. And, right all of these Mm -hmm. assumptions. And then so myself, for myself, I created a habit where I sit down and I write that stuff down in the morning. Of course, I've got, I have more than one journal. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. I have a notebook addiction. We don't want to talk about that. I actually switched to colored paper to see if that could make a difference for each project. So I could have a different color, but I'm still, it's still a work in progress. (laughs) Well, so my journals, well, I, I designated them for different things, but it's really mm-hmm. whichever one's nearby when yes. I need to write something down. But just the exercise of writing down, I keep thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I can't reach out to these people today because they don't want, you know, I write them all down. Acknowledging. And the then I purposely redirect my mind. 
mm-hmm. and tell myself what I tell my clients. Mm-hmm. You are not giving that other person a chance. Mm-hmm. You're having a one-sided conversation. Yeah. And shutting things down before they can even start. Hmm. So then you switch it, right? Like what Huge would be stuff. ways what would be ways that you switch your thinking? For Actually, me? Yeah. Like how would you let's say in the hot seat whatever, again? I love it. Whatever it's about, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be about reaching out to potential clients, but whatever it might be about for you. If you know that you've got, there's something that sticks for you and you have that, what do you do to switch yours? So when I first started doing some of the work, I did um, like writing it out. My coach called it a fear inventory, like writing down the things that I'm afraid of and then turning it around and, you know, basically saying thank you. And then I ended up switching it to prayers along the way and being very intentional about my prayers, believing that really... God has my back and they can totally be taken care of. And it, and it shifts. What I've noticed is it shifts my energy when I shift to a state of thankfulness or gratefulness that it's already being taken care of. And, um, so that's one of the things like in my relationships, um, with my spouse or with my kids, when things come up and I'm just like, all of a sudden everything hits the ceiling, (laughs) like mentally fireworks just explode in the brain. And then, or, or everything's dropping, you know, and it feels like it's just like this total breakdown. I mean, it seems like I'm on either end of the spectrum sometimes. And what I've found is that if I can shift my mindset to one of thankfulness, like that I've already gotten through it or that I've, it's already being taken care of and like, oh, well, that's, I, I can let it go now. And my whole body energy shifts. Like, I don't know how to explain it, it but it's, the same thing, right? I mean, we're talking about the same things, just in different Absolutely. And ways. I think of... that's, that's so interesting because I think at different times in our lives, we need different messages. Right. And I did go through a time frame where I shifted my energy to thankfulness. Yeah. That is so powerful. And it's when you do something like that, you're changing your focus. Right. And by changing your focus, you see the things that will um, help you to reach whatever it is you're trying to obtain, right? Yeah. As opposed to seeing things that might be negative and then constantly directing your energy in that direction. Towards the fear, towards the what if, towards the doubts, towards the, I can't get over this. Seriously, I just, you know, like, I mean, we say things that we don't even realize we're saying, I noticed this for myself, like, oh, this is killing me, you know, or, or I've heard people say, you know, my job is killing me. Well, eventually it will. <laughs> like exactly. our thoughts matter, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why I, I really believe that absolutely everything is mindset. It affects mm-hmm. your energy. Yes. It affects what you're focused on. I think as soon as one of my clients, you know, says, oh, I wrote down what I wanted, like you told me. Yeah. Very specifically. And it's like, now I see these opportunities everywhere. Right. Right. It's the red car. I mean, as soon as you buy a car or whatever, then you see them everywhere. And they didn't exist before. That's that's like, as soon as we shift our mind and realize this is actually everywhere. Mm -hmm. It was just blind to me. Exactly. 
And the thing that's interesting as well is that there are people who, it takes a very long time. I can think of someone I've been coaching where it was a full, I think eight months before they were in the space where they could tell themselves you can do it as opposed to listening to the negatives. And there's layers to that. There's so many other voices, people's voices that have been in our heads for a long time. It's not even our own. We've just let the volume be really high. And yeah, I I mean, space and grace for anyone that it takes eight months for, because sometimes it's taken me 18 months. (laughs) uh, No shame coming from the peanut gallery over here. (laughs) Oh, I know. Me too. You know, I, um, I wrote a post right at the end of the year or the beginning of the year, because one of my... Uh, biggest things you, know, you talk about fears yeah. is just kind of general anxiety. Yes. And worry yes. And yes. Being anxious and worrying about everything. It's just the body manifesting all the right. doubts and fears in our brains. Yeah. So I spent quite a bit of time on my own. It probably took me the full year. Yeah. To get to a space where, um, and, you know, and I would never say, oh, I'm cured. I'm ever going to worry or have anxiety right. again because I will. Right. But getting myself to a space where I can manage that and redirect my thoughts. And so same thing, you know. I love that. Probably 12 months, probably 30 years. (laughs) Well, I know it really kind of depends on the situation, depends what we're working through, how deep it is for us, how long we've carried it around. Because I had a situation where um, a potential business partner and I were talking about some future ideas And when it was coming up, I was getting huge anxiety, like in the moment, like, oh my word, this is big. And I I just had to ask myself, is this big? Because this is a growth moment for me and I am meant to step into this and step through it. Or is this anxiety of like, you're too much, too fast, back off. You know, this is not where you're supposed to be. And the reality is it was a growth moment where it's an opportunity for me to step into. And so then the anxiety is just, it's, it, I use it now to be able to say, hey, this is a growth opportunity. How do you want to handle this? (laughs) Like, yes, it's anxiety and I'm nervous. Well, and that's the thing, you know, stress is a good thing. Right, right. And too much stress becomes a bad thing becomes toxic and leads to burnout. But sounds to me Mm. like this was a good kind of stress. It was. Yeah. (laughs) Was that moment. There's still a lot to do, right? I mean, you still have to do all the things to make it into the growth. Correct. I still have to step into it (laughs) fully. Being able to work through this stuff, because when you do the work, it actually, it doesn't make it go away. It doesn't make it so that the layers don't exist or that this anxiety never comes up again, like you said, but it just makes it so that we know we can get through it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not, um, I don't know if you have any clients like this, but I was so stuck for so long and I didn't know how to get through the stuck. So then it just seemed like I was in molasses all the time (laughs) versus being like, okay, I can, I can get out. I know I'm going to get out of this, even if I'm moving into the next pod. (laughs) Well, and you know, that's, in one of the most, uh, one of the things that my clients ask for the most is specifics. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so you've identified this thing, and that's part of what makes coaching different from therapy, right? Right. We've identified this thing. Now what? 
Mm-hmm. And then it's our job to help them, help the clients come up with ways to move beyond it. Right. Um, for many of my clients, there's a lack of awareness. So I use a couple of different tools um, like um, the EQ test, you know, for emotional intelligence is a good one. So tell me more about that. That's a personality assessment I don't know enough about yet. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, uh, what's his name? Dr. Travis Bradbury. Okay. And he has a book, he wrote the book called EQ2 and you get the book and there's a little thing in there that you go up onto their website and type the code in and you can take the assessment. And basically what it measures is there's four quadrants, you know, they all love the four quadrants and mm-hmm. what's, what are you going to put in the quadrants? Well, in this case, first one is self-awareness. The second is self-management. Hmm. The third is social awareness. And then the fourth is relationship management. So that's why you started focusing on relationships, recognizing that as people, as we grow our EQ, our emotional intelligence, right? then we grow our ability to relate and to have relationships that are deeper, healthier, more meaningful, more connected. Oh my word. I love this. Absolutely. Because, you know, the way that I see it, it's like everything starts, you have to go inward first. Right. Yes. And figure out what's going on in here. Mm-hmm. And many people, they'll take the EQ and they'll find out that they're not emotionally aware. They're not self-aware. Right, right. I mean, I've Personal, heard so often, yeah. I don't even know who I am. You know, people will say that, like at that level. Exactly. You know, you know what that reminds me of? A lot of times I'll ask people, I literally will ask people, you know, give me five words that describe who you are. Mm-hmm. And they'll say mother, daughter, yep. Um, their, their profession, their roles, you know, mm-hmm. their roles. We're defined by our roles. And I, right. And then I'll say, well, you know, mm-hmm. okay, that's stuff you do yeah, and the roles that you play, but who are you? Yeah. And so uh, many people have problems and they're like, hmm, you know, yeah. and it's like, let's leave that as a think about something that you can think that's about. That's so awesome. That's the first but step. So the awareness, the self-awareness is like understanding what emotions you're having, when you're having them and why you're having them kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And that second quadrant with self-management is you understand that you're having an emotion, but you're not doing a good job of managing yourself. Wow. You know, so yeah. So like some people need to work in that quadrant. And um, someone I worked with, it was really interesting that, they had very high um, self-awareness and really high social awareness. So very aware of how other people in the room mm-hmm. would view and react to things, but their biggest problem was self-management. So explain that. So what it is, is they're completely aware of how they feel and what they feel. And they're really good, like they are empathetic and do a good job of reading a room. But if something triggers them, they have very little control over the, how they respond. Yeah. Yeah. That makes or sense. even if they're not triggered, just generally, mm-hmm. you know, it might be the kind of people who say things that um, are upsetting to others because they're just mm-hmm. not managing their, you know, mm-hmm. their surroundings or how they're acting in a meeting compared to how they're acting in a one-on-one conversation with somebody, that kind of thing. So I have a question. Sorry. 
I have a question that may or may not be relevant. Um, But the more that we hear about autism and the the spectrum, Mm. I am aware that there are some that have different levels of like social interaction or social, you know, how do you respond to this? So are you seeing that or finding anything with that in anyone that you're working with? Or is it literally just a social awareness or a self-management? Like, is there a overlap? I think that's interesting. So I do not focus particularly on anybody who has um, mental differences or would be on those spectrums. But as I work with people, I have more and more people who tell me, you know, as adults, that they think they have ADD. Right, right. Or they think they might have had this or they might have had that. Right. So that is something. Undiagnosed, you're saying. Like they're just kind of starting to connect the dots because they're like, man, I really just kind of struggled in these areas. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I'm connecting the dots on too right now because I just, I don't know, piecing a couple things together. It's like, that's interesting. Well, I think that that's part of what makes it so great to live in the day and age that we live in now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because people are starting to talk about these mental differences as well, or brain differences is another right. way right. to categorize it and also become more aware. So that let's say I'm talking with someone and um, that person doesn't look in, look me in the eye. Yeah. So instead of running back to my office and calling up my three friends and saying, I can't believe this guy never looks uh, at me, blah, 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 blah. I have an itch. I used to right? do stuff like this. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's might, so much so, more fun to vent about it than to change me. Just saying. Right. Well, true, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's what we're used to and we're comfortable mm-hmm. and you go and you find, yeah. um, you find your group. Yes. And the people who will understand and support you, where I think now as we have more conversations, just we as the world, Yes. Have more conversations about this. The thought might be, oh, I'm going to take a step back here. Yeah. I noticed that so-and-so never meets my eyes. I wonder if he's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Or even if it's not, like end mm-hmm. of the day, who cares? Low confidence. Anything. Right. That Why, it has I, nothing to do with us. Yeah. Right. And that's a mm-hmm. big one. That right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's people individualizing, you know, I can't even remember the number of times my husband has said to me if when I would be in my anxiety mode mm-hmm. about, you know, so-and-so, whatever, didn't look at me, didn't whatever. My husband would say, you know, honey, 90% of the time or 95% of the time, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. So that's, that's super huge. True. And I'm so glad you brought it up. Yeah. Speaking of mindset. So when you think about the people that you've been able to help in this space, what are some of the things that you've seen happen in relationships after doing some of this work? I believe that people have more authentic relationships. Yeah. And it's interesting um, because of COVID, Mm -hmm. I, I believe one of the positives of COVID where anyone and everyone at any moment could be sick. Right. And everyone's lives were, you know, turned upside down. There came an opportunity for people to sort of remove the business mask, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Especially as 
people were getting on Zoom calls and everyone was seeing, you know, the mess in right. the house behind you. Right. The dogs barking, the kids running around. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it is that you might have been dealing with. And I think there was a higher level of genuine just caring for each other, mm-hmm. asking people how they were doing because we knew that so many people were having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And that presented this I think this huge opportunity for people to develop closer and stronger relationships, you know, outside of your friends and family. Right. Right. And in geographical circles too, like expand your borders in so many ways. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, so if we piggyback on that, those opportunities, Mm -hmm people realize it's okay to be yourself. Like if a client is going to hire you yeah. in the majority of cases, they want to know who you are. Yes. It's a hundred percent true. Like I have been working through that myself because as a mom of six boys, I want to be able to juggle life and business. And I don't necessarily want them to be like, where one has to be shoved in a closet while I'm working with the other one. Right. And so as I'm giving myself permission for them to merge, I'm realizing what comes up and I'm seeing what comes up. And, and yet I know that if somebody else is in the same situation as me, I'm not going to look at it from the same perspective. I don't, I don't have the same um, like judgment that I do for myself or expectation, right. you know? And so it's been really good to figure out and realize like, it's okay. This is just a new, it's a new space where these things are more accepted. And like you said, dogs barking, like 10 years ago, if a dog barked in the middle of a meeting, like that would not have been. (laughs) (laughs) And now you could say BRB and shut your video camera off and walk out of the meeting. (laughs) Everybody gets it. Yeah. They're like, not a problem. (laughs) And they give grace to you. And because they want, they need to have grace given to them right something right. happens and it really is true that's one of the biggest another biggest thing you're bringing them all up i love it <laughs> but another one of the biggest thing is how the majority of people are harder on themselves than yeah. anyone else ever would be yes yeah. and the idea that it's okay to make a mistake yeah in our culture in so many especially with some of the very um you know, high potential individuals that I deal with, that I coach, Mm -hmm. they're afraid to, or were afraid to make mistakes. Right. 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 Versus recognizing that mistakes are part of the process. It's, it's hard, like space for the fact that they're putting themselves out there and asking you to help them with this. Because, um, even if our personalities are okay with not being perfect, man, I was in a room this last year with women in business and there were, it was a packed room. Granted, the room was small, but it was a packed room, standing room only on how to deal with perfectionism. And the problem was, yes, I'm saying this on a podcast. The person at the front of the room was a counselor therapist. And at the end of the presentation, did not give anybody a solution on how to deal with their perfectionism. It was sort of like, why are you a perfectionist? Why are you dealing with this? And it was about the beliefs. 
I know. I can see your confused look. I know. I was in the room just like painfully aware yeah. that no one was getting helped. And then at the end they said, so do we all just need to call you for an appointment? And she goes, actually, I don't even like therapy work and I'm booked and I have a waiting list. So there's actually no room for you to come. I was like, what is what just happened? <laughs> yeah. So here's what I got out of it. There's room for speakers like you and I in future yes. sessions. <laughs> like we don't have to be perfect because the other people at the front of the room aren't perfect either. They don't even have room to help clients after they're done. I was like, ah, oh. but this is a huge issue. Perfectionism is holding us back from being, from being right. Well, and you know, this takes me back. I was uh, talking with someone just on Friday over lunch about um, when my son would come home from school, mm -hmm. my, my husband was the stay at home dad. My husband would pick him up. He'd be absolutely happy. Then I would come home. And when it was bedtime, everything in his whole day has, was terrible. Mm. Oh, this and that. And oh, and then this happened. And mm. I created a space for him. I said, okay, look, you can complain about three things <laughs> every night, but then you have to tell me one good thing that happened. Yeah. And I think that that's the answer with like the perfectionism, although mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say three things. Right. right. But for people is to, you know, kind of go through with a journaling or a process or however it is you need to write down one thing that you wish you had done better today. Mm -hmm. And if you want to use the word mistake, mm -hmm. use the word mistake. But one thing you wish you would have done better, but then you have to, just yeah. like I said to my son, write down one thing that you did well. Right. Celebrating the celebrations along with recognizing the mistakes, AKA lessons right. that, that we're willing to learn from. And someone pointed out to me, um, which was really good. He said, when we acknowledge our mistakes, it, it does mean that we're willing to see something that we could learn from, right? And maybe, um, I don't like using the word failures or even regrets. Like, how can we move through it in a way where we forgive ourselves? And, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the other piece that um, helps us. <laughs> like, forgiving others and forgiving ourselves. Oh, my goodness. There's so much. And I think in those circumstances, everybody needs a chance to mm -hmm. talk with someone else to get them right. through it. Right. You know, right. there's, you need someone to listen and you need to someone who need to have someone who will give grace to you mm -hmm. and then help you move forward. Yeah. Because that's it's the, huge. It's huge. You know, and it's like we were just, we talked about before, it takes time. Yeah. Um, some people say you can develop a new habit in three months. Some people yeah. say three weeks. I say it depends on how, which habit is you're trying to do. <laughs> um, but we're just always learning, which is what's so, ex I think, is exciting. Right. Evolving. Evolving. You know, my brother used to say, I have to say this, it's too funny. He would always, on his birthday, he would say, you know, I look back at the last year and I realize how much how much stupider I was than I am now. <laughs> That's what we said this last year. We're like, oh my word, can you believe where we were a year ago? And the mountains that have been moved mentally, like we're just 
And I'm thankful for that, right? That we can look back and say, I'm not in the same place that I was. I mean, even though it's crazy, you look back and you're like, ah, <laughs> did I really think that? That's awesome. Yes, I did. I just talked to a client today, a former client, who told me that one of his biggest learnings was to not worry if somebody didn't, re you know, and he's trying to touch base with them to develop business, to no longer worry when somebody doesn't reply or doesn't want to yeah. meet. Huge. He was able to finally just let it go. Mm-hmm. That's huge stuff. I've, I've found over the last year when we talk about things like that, when I'm selling for someone else, it's easier for me to let that go than when I'm selling for myself. So even if we've been doing different jobs, even if we're starting businesses in ways where um, we might have been successful in another area, new things come up. I don't know if you see that with your clients, but that's what I'm experiencing, like just in real life. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you make a plan. Mm-hmm. And you start moving forward on the plan and then a whole bunch of things happen and you deal with all the things and then mm -hmm. you come back to your plan and you think, oh, which of this is what reality is now. Mm -hmm. Which parts of these am I going to deal with? And then also, um, anytime you're working on improving yourself, yeah. you're never done. Thanks. Right? Like you said, <laughs> it's just the truth. Well, there's always another level. That's what I heard from a, she's uh, someone leading a multi-billion dollar organization. It's a woman. And she said, there's always another level. I feel like my kids, when they play Minecraft, there's always another level. There's always another level. <laughs> right. There's always something else, you know, to challenge you. And, and that's what makes life exciting. And we're yeah. all up to the challenge. Right. You know, we, everybody, everyone has a gift. I believe this. Yeah. And I have believe, believed it my whole life. I think people are smart in all different ways. And everyone has something to offer to society and to the world. And it's a matter of finding your thing and then working on yourself and just, you know, being the best you can be on any given day. Yeah. So is there anything else that you would love for people to know about what you do or about business in general? What comes to mind that you'd love to share? I would love to share that no matter who you are, what your type might be, you know, when people will always say, oh, I'm to this, oh, I'm to that. And the answer is you just are. Mm -hmm. So spend some time and be thankful for who you are and then share those gifts with people in the way you want to share them. You know, there's space for everyone. Mm -hmm. I love that. This is a side comment before I let you go. Sure. Are you, um, is there anything that you would love for coaches to know that are building businesses? It's interesting. Um, I think the number one thing for people building business when they own their own companies is patience. Oh, yes. Right. You know, yes. you're, you're working. Shift the expectations. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's yeah. great to have, as, have aspirational goals, mm -hmm. but then also remember that um, this is something new. Right. That's, that's being offered and it gains momentum. You yeah. know, you need to keep moving, keep it moving forward, just like with your self-improvement, but then really think about what is success 
for you. I define the success and just realize that it is possible for you to succeed, but you have to be patient. You have Mm -hmm. to let those relationships develop and then keep yourself moving, keep learning how to do a better job Mm. what you do. Yeah. Well, I know as a um, shaper type personality that I love to be patient for the plan, right? Like if I have something I'm, I'm moving towards, then I can be patient. And in real estate development, that was easier because we talk about it differently. Like here's what the architect created. Here's what we're building. And then you take it to the bank and then you get everybody involved. And by this point, you're all in, you sold the bank or you sold the, you know, the architect, people started to design it and it's on paper versus a coaching business. We don't go and do it in that way and get these other people behind us, you know, rallying around our idea and then being like, yeah, this is actually a thing. (laughs) And so, so it's, interesting how the different industries have the same it's the time is still a thing right like if i'm going to develop real estate it doesn't happen overnight but my expectation isn't that it'll happen overnight versus when it's us and our business why isn't that done yet right and remember you're the product right Right. So mm. the thing that you're selling is your knowledge, mm. your presence yeah. as a coach. Um, you know, so you need to have a strategy in mind of how to start and then continue to build and expand. But you do need to have patience. Take I time. love it. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for thank everything you. that you do. And thank you so much, Jamie, for having me on the, this wonderful podcast. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs>